coming up on Stu Does America. Remember when you could joke about politics and not have to worry about being shot outside your office the next morning? Libertarian comedian uh, Andrew Heaton does, and he joins us to reminisce about those good old days. And a new documentary on HBO might accidentally be making the opposite point it wanted to. Faithwire's Dan Andros is here to dive into the controversy. Watch this stupid show for free on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe and like our videos, even this one, right now before you forget or I say something that pisses you off. Or listen for free on podcasts through iTunes or your favorite provider. Please rate us the appropriate five stars and leave me a review I can read at the end of the show. Links to everything are available at stewdoesamerica.com. Or get the whole shebang of everything the network offers with a subscription to Blaze TV. Just head to blazetv.com slash stew. Use the promo code stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show and you'll save 30 bucks. But it's like about a week away from politicians and the media using a quirk in the data to justify new coronavirus restrictions. You need to know what's coming so we can try to stop it. Let's do a very COVID Thanksgiving. Stu does America. Okay, I think we all understand where we are now, right? Basically, either Pfizer sticks needles in our arms and we get to go back to movie theaters with actual big budget releases, or we all die from coronavirus. Nothing left in between. These sort of COVID waves operate sort of like the movie The Hangover. The first one comes out and everyone's talking about it. And then Hangover 2 comes out and it gets, you know, a lot less hype. It's still a big deal. I mean, did you know that it made more than half a billion dollars at the box office? How is that possible? But people were kind of bored and didn't really care about it all that much. And then by Hangover 3, sure, lots of people are still going to the theater to see it for some reason, but it's more like a sad, disappointing attempt to capture some magic moment of the distant past. It's also just a money grab for the cast, but that's totally another story. In a minute, I'm going to show you a quirk in the COVID data that is likely to lead to new calls for massive restrictions and maybe even some lockdowns. This is happening next week. You need to know about this and how it's coming before it hits so that you can be prepared for it. Now, there's no scientific definition for a wave of COVID. It's basically just something we all make up and argue about. But I'm going to actually use the highly specific definition of a bump in the chart. By that peer-reviewed definition, we are looking at our third wave as we hit the holidays. Talking about cases, honestly, is pretty worthless considering the changes in testing. We are now up to almost 2 million tests per day. But hospitalizations and deaths are a lot easier to understand and measure and compare. Here's where we are right now. The first wave, largely in the New York area and a few other big cities, was back in March. It was pretty uh, cold outside up there, uh, so a lot of people were staying indoors. It topped out at about 60,000 hospitalizations and an average of about 2,100 deaths per day. To put that into perspective, the number one cause of death in America is heart disease, which kills 1,776 per day. Wave number two happened in the summer and largely hit the south. It was pretty hot outside, so a lot of people were staying indoors. It also topped out at about 60,000 hospitalizations, but in a really positive sign, it only hit about half the amount of deaths per day. That's largely because we're getting better at treating it. Wave number three is what's happening right now. It's much more widespread, but it seems to be hitting the Midwest the hardest, you know, in places where it's getting cold and people are spending a lot more time 
indoors. I'm sensing some sort of pattern here, are you? And look, in terms of raw numbers, this is likely going to be the worst wave so far, just like Hangover 3 was the worst hangover so far. Hospitalizations have blown through the 60,000 total with a from the first two waves and have now sit at about 85,000. And deaths, which trail hospitalizations by a couple of weeks, are now already past the second wave and sit at about 1,500 per day. For lack of a scientific term here, this blows. Also a little bit misleading in some ways. What we're seeing here is really a different kind of thing in a couple of ways. It's important to understand that this outbreak is not as intense as what we saw in New York, at least not yet. It's just hitting a lot more of the country all at once. It's less intense, but more widespread. The best way to understand this is to break the country up into four regions. And guess what? We have a chart for that. Conservanerds unite. This chart is from the fine people at the COVID tracking project, and it looks at hospitalizations adjusted for uh, population uh, by region. The Northeast hit about 600 hospitalizations per million in March and uh, April in that sort of first wave. In wave two, the South hit about half of that level. And so far in wave three, it's the Midwest that's up over 400 hospitalizations per million. Now, for those keeping score at home, the Northeast had a terrible first wave, no second wave, and a moderate third wave. The Midwest had a moderate first wave, no second wave, and a bad third wave. The South had no first wave, a pretty bad second wave, and a moderate third wave. And the West had no first wave, a moderate second wave, and a moderate third wave. Got it? Do you have it committed to memory yet? The nature of all of this, and, you know, look, it's got its good and its bad features you're less likely to get healthcare systems and hospitals overwhelmed with all the COVID spread out like this all around the country instead of focused on one area. That's good. You can move people around if needed. Of course, because it's so widespread this time, the raw numbers are going to get ugly, even if the outbreak isn't quite as intense as it was in March, and even if we are getting better at treating it. So when does this wave hit its peak? As of this moment, we don't have any freaking idea. But if you want a tiny little glimpse of hope, if you look at this chart and squint your eyes really, really well, you can show the national test post, uh, positivity rate. Uh, and it goes, showed on this uh, chart with a red line. It's Chartapalooza over just the last few days. Can you see it on the red line there? Just the last few days. It looks like maybe, just maybe, we're seeing a drop off in that test positivity rate. Hopefully, that's the leading indicator of the end of this hike. I mean, maybe it's Thanksgiving. Why not have some positive news? But you need to know what the next couple of weeks are going to look like so that you know what the Gavin Newsom's and the Andrew Cuomo, who, by the way, is awful. What are they going to do next? If you've looked at this data for the better part of this incredibly sucky 2020, you know that on Sunday and Monday, you always see results that you might consider encouraging. Why? Because people are off on the weekends, so the numbers don't get reported. I will save you my endless rant on how the most advanced nation on Earth can't report its pandemic data in a timely fashion because people are off on the weekends. Well, this phenomenon is about to go into warp speed. Over this week and over the Thanksgiving weekend, reporting of cases and deaths is going to fall off big time. This doesn't mean the virus is going away. It's just a quirk in the way the data is reporting. But the danger comes in the week we come back. All of those cases and deaths from this week 
are going to be pushed into next week, adding on top of all those that are actually happening next week and being recorded from day to day. It is going to cause very scary numbers and very scary charts. Again, this is a serious situation. But what I'm talking about here is a data quirk that makes the situation look like it's totally out of control. We are going to see likely record numbers for the entire pandemic in several categories. And the media and politicians are either going to be honest with you and say, look, this is a quirk in the data reporting. Be vigilant, but don't panic. Or... They are going to blame you for going to Thanksgiving dinner and they are going to use these record numbers to justify more draconian restrictions and maybe even more lockdowns. Which one do you think is going to happen? Question mark. So what do we do with this information? First, don't get on Twitter and tell everyone the virus is going away this week. You'll likely be proven wrong next week. So don't do that because you're going to look like an idiot. Also, what the hell are you doing on Twitter on Thanksgiving weekend? Watch some football. And when you come back from Thanksgiving break, you're going to be a lot more informed than everyone else when these numbers get scary and every politician goes into freakout mode. Hopefully enough people will understand what's happening so we can stop the worst excesses of the government. Look, if they blame Thanksgiving, uh, you know, guess what's coming to your neck of the woods in December? The Grinch, who's going to try to steal Christmas. And also, who looks a lot like Andrew Cuomo, who is awful. Dot com. Trying to buy or sell a home in these times can be challenging, you know. It really is. You don't even can people even go out and look at homes like if you're in California and you're trying to buy a home, how do you even do that? Are you allowed? Does Gavin Newsom, as he's at his fancy restaurant, allow you to buy a home? I don't know the answer to that. But if you're buying a home or selling a home in this uh, situation, you need someone who you can trust. Someone can come in and take charge, get all the stuff fixed, make sure they can handle all that stuff. I just went through a real estate transaction. I needed a bunch of repairs done. Luckily, I have a real estate agent I trust realestateagentsitrust.com. This is the place to go to get the best real estate agent in your area. Why? Because you want to maximize these transactions. Every time you have one, you got to maximize this transaction. Get more information at realestateagentsitrust.com. Get the best price when you buy. Get the best price when you sell. Get this stuff done without a hassle. realestateagentsitrust.com is the place to go. realestateagentsitrust.com. Returning to the program is the host of both Alienating the Audience and the Political Orphanage, both great podcasts. It's Mr. Andrew Heaton. Andrew, happy Thanksgiving. Hello. Happy Thanksgiving, Stu. Good to see you. It's great to see you, Andrew. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. Uh, I think we both would agree that uh, the, the, the COVID situation just sucks and it's, uh, it's a serious thing. And I understand it's a real pain in the ass to deal with for everybody. Uh, it is interesting, though, with all these kind of new restrictions. You're in California. How are you dealing? I am with, at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. How are you? How are you huh? dealing with these restrictions? Well, uh, it, in my case, Stu, you you can see behind me that I I bought a 13 foot fiberglass camper from an 86 year old man named Dave, and uh, <laughs> have, have used it as sort of a like a jettison pod uh, that I can work in forests from. So that's kind of what I've been doing. <laughs> uh, 
But beyond that, uh, I've uh, basically become a hermit. Uh, I have small groups of people that I'm able to associate with. Mm-hmm. I'm very sad. Mm-hmm. And just to uh, be incredibly safe, I always wear a condom at all times. <laughs> if I go to the grocery store, if I go to the hardware store, I'm wearing a condom. <laughs> now, not much of that is different than from when you were here in Texas. I mean, that, <laughs> there's a lot of similarities. It's <laughs> a good point. Yeah, previously I was wearing a condom for fun. Right. Now I'm wearing a condom for safety. It used to be just a fashion accessory to make me feel confident. <laughs> I don't think that does anything for COVID, just so you're aware. Uh, but but, uh, you know what? I, not a single woman has become pregnant for me in the last six months. So I'm doing something right. <laughs> wow. Six whole months. Congratulations. It's a, Thank it's you. a new Thank record. You. Yeah. It's a new record. Um, I, is, have you, I mean, you're in California now. Are you, yeah. know, what's, what is, what are, you were in, I think you said Los Angeles. What's Los Angeles like? I, okay. I, I don't want to be that mean to California. Um, can I just say COVID aside, Los Angeles is a horrible place. It's, <laughs> it's a, like, like it, it, the, the whole point of California, or at least I should say the whole point of Los Angeles, is to come make money in the entertainment industry. It doesn't exist anymore. And so it's kind of like, like, like let, let's say in the Middle Ages, like the, the young like 18-year-old princess marries the corpulent, old, disgusting, like 82-year-old duke. Mm -hmm. And then like, turns out that guy doesn't have any money. That's Los Angeles right now. Like there's no money here. There's nothing to be made here. Uh, Everybody has lawns, which I find baffling, like because people want to pretend they live in Vermont, even though they live in a desert. And then they're confused. There's a water shortage going on. The housing is awful. Like I, I I could come back and just rant about their, like their weird housing regime that was instituted by old dead racists and hasn't been uh, hasn't been revamped yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's I, I'm, I'm here because well, uh, very good friends here. And, and then I'm leaving, hopefully never to return. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because uh, the cities are having this problem, right? Where like New York is having this problem, too, where there's all these amazing things to do with New York. But there's a trade off of going to New York and living in New York, which is you have to deal with essentially hell all the time. You're being assaulted by homeless people. You know, everything's dirty and messy and old and inconvenient. But there's amazing shows and amazing restaurants yeah. and all these things to do. Now, none of that exists. You have only the bad things and none of the good things. I I think that is completely spot on. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, New, New York, New York City. I've not been to New York City during the pandemic, but uh, it is the charm is no longer there unless you find interior subways really, really great and quaint and all that kind of thing. Yeah, I think that, I mean, I, I was, you know, I was opposed to suburbs. I, I thought suburbs were really boring and disliked them up until uh, almost exactly eight months ago when I realized <laughs> that I could have had a yard and a dog and maybe, like, I don't, I don't know how families work. Maybe I would have, like, lured a family in. Like, like if you get a bigger house, they come in like hermit crabs, so I'd be married now. I don't know. But in any event, like, as soon as I can get a yard, I totally will. Just for the safety of uh, other people, that is not how families work. So please don't try to... <laughs> <laughs> Please don't try to make that happen. Uh, now, we kind of both, I think, agree that the, I'm not like in favor of regulations in general. This is a crazy situation. But in general, I'm not in favor of regulations in most cases. However, some regulations, I think, do work. For example, there's a school that has a new regulation about children who show up late. Yes. Uh, you, you know, you, you and I are on the same page there. Uh, I I tend to be a regulatory hawk. Uh, I, I, I don't think that re- regulations usually go off the rails pretty quick. Uh, and I've been watching this uh, globally. So I, on my program, The Political Orphanage, I do a thing on Fridays called Friday Release Valve, where I bring on comedians to look at what I believe are underserved headlines. And one of them that, that popped up that uh, will air very soon is in Avignon, France, a school has had to make a mandatory d- <laughs> don't throw your child over the six foot fence policy <laughs> because apparently 
parents, and again, I don't have a family, so I don't know how this works, Stu, mm-hmm. but apparently mm-hmm. some of the parents were trying to get to work, they're late, and they'd fling their kid over the fence, <laughs> or they'd like drop him over, I don't know. Uh, I, I guess this speaks to the litheness and skinniness of French children, <laughs> that they're, I, like, I, where I'm from, the kids are too fat, you couldn't do that, you'd, you'd risk injury to both yourself and the child, but in France, I guess they're all, like, twiggy, and yeah, so they had to make a policy about that, and uh, um, I, you know, I, I suppose I'm against it. I think that instead of, it's Instead of uh, uh, keeping parents from doing that, they should either make like a, a doggy door the size of a toddler that they can pop in and out of. It's, you know, too big for, uh, you know, like random questionable adults mm-hmm. or alternately have a mattress that you can try and fling them onto. I think the kids would enjoy that. <laughs> I think they would, too. I don't think kids would be opposed to this policy at all. I do have a family, uh, Andrew, and every time uh-huh. there is a possibility of uh, injuring themselves with a high fence, they are drawn to that like magnets. They, I mean, they want to climb yeah. the fence and jump over the other side. I think this is something they should they could charge admission. They could do all sorts of things for these rides. Yeah, no, absolutely. You could like fi- figure out a way to have like a slip and slide on top mm-hmm. instead of those pointy things, right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, and and yeah, like you know, may- maybe the kids get better at bouncing. I don't know. I, on on the note of your family, Stu, I, I want to say because you know Thanksgiving is coming up. Uh, unfortunately, I-, I will not be able to do my annual holiday tradition of trying to sneak into the the Bergier family Thanksgiving. Mm. Uh, last year, I-, I dressed up like a very dowdy old British woman mm. and tried to pony myself off as a, as a, as a nanny. Uh, the year before that I came in a horse costume. The year before that I tried really hard to convince your family that I was you. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, I, this year I had great plans. I don't think I'm going to be able to do it just, just cause I'm in California. What with the, the pandemic and stuff? So please pass along my, my hello to the, the, the whole gang. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. And I, I do remember it. And, and so do local authorities. And I, and I, I, I do, <laughs> although I don't understand your approach exactly of why you thought a horse would show up to my Thanksgiving. I, I don't understand. You know, there's there's plenty of things or there's plenty of cartoons where they got to sneak into some events so they get two people in a horse costume. <laughs> and I just I I didn't really think that hard about it. I just assumed that if I was in a horse costume that people would go, "Oh, a horse. That's cool." Mm. Uh, but your your family, they are sharp. They are they are on top of stuff. They <laughs> they went, "We did not invite a horse to this thing. That's probably Heaton." And they tasered me. Everybody tasered me. Yeah, that was, was a, uh, lot of it's a well-armed family. Mm-hmm. That was right after mm-hmm. we got that taser too and we put it to good use. Yeah. Um, uh, there's yeah. another regulation going on right now with the uh, the US government issuing advice about bears. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is amazing. The <laughs> National Park Service sent out a, uh, a memorandum on social media. I think it was a Facebook post where they, you know, a lot of people right now, like like me, I've got this this camper that I'm, I'm hanging out in. Right. A lot of us are traveling around the country, going to national parks, national forests. It's safe. It's beautiful. We have a gorgeous country. And so the Park Service put out a memorandum saying if you were approached by a bear, do not sacrifice your slower, fatter friend to the bear in order to save your life. It gave guidelines on don't like it's apparently what you're supposed to do. I didn't know this. You're supposed to sort of like crab walk away, you know, kind of like a ninja or something, but make eye contact with them because uh, you don't want to like spook the bear. So in the same way, I gather that when you cross the street and you see a car and you make eye contact because you want them to feel bad if they hit you, you do that with a bear. You just kind of shuffle off to the side. But they've clarified don't sacrifice your friend in order to save your own life. So do not kick your friend in the kneecap and let him go down and then go, have it, Bert, bear, and run away. They've they've clarified that, which I hats off to the, the Park Service for becoming the most gritty realpolitik <laughs> branch of the American government. I, I am very impressed. I, I will say, I, I think it's a pretty good plan, though. I mean, if you're getting attacked by a bear and you have a friend that's slower and or fatter, 
I mean, uh-huh. uh, that the, the bear is going to go after the one that's on the ground disabled and you just kind of run away. I, this is completely true, completely accurate. And uh, I mean, this is I guess this would be a problem in France where everybody's apparently skinny enough that they can fling them over fences <laughs> here in the United States where we're sort of always preparing for, you know, famine. Uh, yeah, you, you've got a good chance of that. And uh, I mean, I usually select my friends based on who I think would be expendable in the event of a bear attack or the apocalypse. So mm-hmm. this was this was good advice directed towards me. I will say I do think there is a legitimate reason for things like this because there are a lot of people like you who I would consider to be indoorsy uh, that are suddenly out in parks all the time around nature when they are not built for that type of thing. Yeah, I think you're probably right about that. And there's uh, like I, I'll say I was in the Boy Scouts, which is my highest level of military achievement. So <laughs> I, I kind of grew up with this kind of thing. And I know, you know, don't give your car keys to raccoons and all that stuff. There's all mm. sorts of guidelines you're going to have. But a lot of people don't know that. And they're like, you know, like trying to induce bear cubs to take selfies with their kids. They'll like paint their faces with honey, things like that. Yeah. So there it might actually be a good time to just kind of prep people that are otherwise indoorsy for actually encountering animals in the wild. Mm. Uh, and before we, we, we let you go, I, I, we have to get this revealed. I don't know, maybe for the first time. Did you win the vice presidential election in the Whig party? Did it work out? Uh, thank you for bringing that up, Stu. I really appreciate that. I, 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 I don't want to say you were one of my silent billionaire backers that was, was bankrolling me, <laughs> right. but, but I'll, I'll just say that you were, you were involved in the campaign. We were very appreciative of that. For your, for your viewers that are unfamiliar with that, in 2020, I brought back the Whig Party. I thought it had been too long. We needed to bring the Whig Party back, <laughs> but I refused to run as president. Uh, it seemed like a hassle. So we mm-hmm. we only ran vice president this time. We didn't have a, a presidential candidate. It was just me. Um, <laughs> no, I have not conceded, Stu, nor will I concede. And oh, it's good. my understanding that uh, Sid Powell has now been like like scuttled off from the Trump campaign. Mm. So we'll we'll talk to her and see if maybe she could come over and contest the vice presidential thing. Uh, I will continue that. Then maybe like lead some sort of vice presidency in exile uh, from I, I don't know Argentina or something like that. But but yeah, I, I I continue on. The Whig Party will eventually be triumphant. Good good. <laughs> I like that. And she's she's got a, she's got an opening. She needs a gig. Yeah. Bring her over to the Whig Party. Yeah. I think that would work. Uh, before uh, we let you go, I want to at least acknowledge that I think this is a record. If you're watching on on the podcast uh, with the video form, uh, this is a record I think for the best match of stunt body and actual guest. We have a mm-hmm. shirt that is very similar. Andrew does seem to have a third and now fourth hand, uh, other, which is a little bit odd, but I don't want to judge people. Um, I, this is kind of an amazing achievement, a, a Thanksgiving miracle. I, well, the, the thing that most impresses me, Stu, is that I know that you actually, because you, you, I was telling your producers beforehand that they went out and found a bodybuilder uh, because they, they just didn't mm. feel that it would be appropriate to have anybody without what they what they described, their words, as Olympian-level godlike physique uh, operating mm. as my torso. And so they went out and, and found this gentleman and uh, got him to do some push-ups and gave him some steroids. And it's, it is a good match between that and the plaid. Mm, that's not really what I had in mind. But thank you so much, Andrew Heaton, uh, of course, uh, vice presidential candidate of the Whig Party and host of Alienating the Audience, as well as the Political Orphanage podcast. Very funny guy. Be sure to head over to uh, your favorite pod- podcast uh, provider and subscribe to uh, Andrew right now. Rate and review and do all those things. Andrew, uh, what's the best place for people to find you other than the podcast? 
Uh, well, I'll suggest, you know, so Friday Release Valve, which is where I do funny headlines, uh, some of which we, we just covered. Uh, I'm just now starting to do it on YouTube, so you can see me in various outfits, plus my degenerate comedian friends. We've got an episode up. There'll be another one up shortly. We're going to backlog some stuff, so check out uh, Friday Release Valve on YouTube. Otherwise, uh, I'd just stalk me on, on Twitter or anything else. Look for Mighty Heaton or Andrew Heaton. All right. Thanks so much. Andrew Heaton, appreciate it. Great to see you, man. Th- thank you, Stu. Goodbye. All right. Have a good Thanksgiving. Back in a second. So Joe Biden is making John Kerry his climate czar. Ooh. John Kerry, the guy that always talks in the Walshold voice over. Remember him from 2004? What is the Democratic obsession with losers? They are always recycling these people all the time. John Kerry lost to George W. Bush in 2004. They recycled him through the Obama administration as secretary of state for some unknown reason. Uh, and where he continued basically to be wrong on every single issue. Uh, we have a clip here from 2016, and I, I want to hold this up. I want to put it in a museum. It's almost impossible to be this wrong. It, think of how, I want you to listen to this, and, and think if you can find anything he says in this clip at all that's right. And he's so sure. You know, there's this little, uh, there's an intersection. Uh, one street is uh, ignorance, and the other street is uh, certainty. And John Kerry is sitting right in the middle of that intersection. He's very ignorant, but very certain. Watch. There will be no separate peace between Israel and the Arab world. Oh, I want to make that very clear to all of you. He knows that. I've heard several prominent politicians in Israel sometimes saying, well, the Arab world's in a different place now. We just have to reach out to them and we can work some things with the Arab world and Mm -hmm. we'll deal with the Palestinians. No, no, no. And no, that's exactly what happened, though. I can tell you that reaffirmed even in the last week, as I have talked to leaders of the Arab community, Mm. there will be no advance and separate peace with the Arab world without the Palestinian process and Palestinian peace. Everybody needs to understand that that is a hard reality. Mm, Is it, though? (laughs) A fascinating thing there. And, you know, this shows, you know, we talk about issues all the time. And obviously we take the conservative sort of small government uh, perspective. And there's there's something that we all desire to have our views reflected in reality. And it's just all nicely kind of wrapped up with a pretty little bow. And everything we think is right and everything they think is wrong. And it's not always that easy, right? Sometimes there there are assumptions and sometimes... We're kind of right, but kind of not right. And sometimes we're speculating as to whether uh, it's going to turn out right in the end. This situation with peace in the Middle East walks down the exact thing that right wing uh, think tanks have been advocating for decades. Exactly what happened if you were tough on uh, on on these area on these areas, if you did not give in to the Palestinians, if you changed the way and the, the the appearance of negotiations, if you did things that were certain and principled, like moving the the uh, uh, embassy to Jerusalem, when you did those things, it changed the dynamic. And these Arab nations, who are dealing with Israel in some ways anyway, wanted to make it public. The fact that that's happened is flies exactly in the face of everything you just heard John Kerry say. He just said it was basically impossible and never would happen. And he thought you were dumb for thinking it could happen. And guess what happened? Uh, The exact thing he promised would not occur. 
John Kerry could not be more wrong about that when he was secretary of state than he was. And guess what happens? He gets rewarded with a new gig as climate czar. It's exactly what you'd expect out of the left. I don't understand why they do it, but they do it all the time. In fact, here's another example. Jamie Harrison. Jamie Harrison was a candidate in the Senate. Got a lot of buzz for maybe taking out Lindsey Graham. Maybe he'll beat Lindsey Graham in the Senate. Who knows? He is, the polls are showing it's really close. Well, in the end, he didn't even come close to winning that race. He was competitive in the polls a few months before. But at the end of the day, he lost. And he lost, in a, he lost bigly. What is he being rewarded with? Well, of course, he's now launching a new PAC um, and to help Democrats in the Georgia runoff. And the DNC is considering him for chair of the DNC. Why? The same thing with Stacey Abrams. Stacey Abrams is a person who ran for governor and lost the race. She then acknowledged that she was not going to be governor, but did not concede because she said the election was stolen from her. Then she got a high profile role with tons and tons of money to go turn out the black vote in Georgia. And you know what happened to the black vote in Georgia? It actually went down. It didn't increase. It went down. Now, yes, uh, you know, Joe Biden won the state, but he won won the state with less a lower amount of black voters than uh, than previous election with Hillary Clinton, Hillary Clinton. So they just keep recycling these failures. I, I can't wait till I see the new role from Beto O'Rourke that I'm sure is coming. Did you know you can uh, raise your credit score by one full point in the next six months? Doesn't that sound great? Doesn't sound that great to me, especially because I know Scoremaster. And Scoremaster can add 60-plus points uh, in within 20 days or less. Scoremaster uh, raises their credit score an average of 61 points in 20 days or less. Uh, say your credit score was in the high 500s or mid-600s when you buy a new car. If you'd gone to Scoremaster first and get that hike, you're going to get a better rate on that loan, and you could save like $9,000 on the car loan. If you do the same thing with a house, you might save $100,000 you got to do this if you've got a major purchase coming up. Or if you're going to look for a job or something like that, they check your credit score a lot. A lot. Make sure you get that credit score up where it should be. Scoremaster puts you in control of your finances, not the banks. Enroll in minutes and see how many points Scoremaster can add to your credit score. Visit scoremaster.com slash stew. And the slash stew part of the address is important because that's how they know you like this stupid show. Scoremaster.com slash stew. The new documentary out from HBO, uh, it's called Transhood, and it is uh, diving into the lives of people who have kids who are different genders than the ones, you know, that they actually are. Uh, apparently, we have a, uh, a whole new documentary on trans kids, and aren't we so lucky? Here's a clip. Good morning. Today we choose to recognize, honor, love, and celebrate anyone here who would claim their identity publicly as lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, or questioning, intersex, pansexual, asexual, or any category that I've left out. This is Phoenix. I'm a little shy. You're a little shy? 
Do you want to tell everyone if you're a boy or a girl? I just want to tell them that I'm a girl. Okay, you can tell them that. <laughs> okay. Phoenix would like you to know that she's a girl and she prefers she and her pronouns. May you be well, safe, and whole. We honor you exactly as you are. Hmm. Is that what Phoenix really wants you to know? Is it? I'm joined by uh, Dan Andros, uh, managing editor of faithwire.com. Be sure to head to their YouTube channel and subscribe today. Dan, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. So are you excited, uh, as excited as mommy is, about Phoenix's new gender? Honestly, I mean, I've seen these clips. Just watch that one now that you just rolled. And man, it just, I mean, honestly, my heart breaks for these kids. I mean, I'm seeing these parents um, completely failing at their number one responsibility as a parent, which is to um, lead their children and to teach them truth. And they're, you know, quite honestly, just leading them down a path that's just, uh, you know, they're they're letting them dictate, I guess, uh, you know, their reality, which is, uh, you know, my five-year-old woke up today and told me he was Kylo Ren. So, I mean, what was I supposed to just go, oh my gosh, he identifies as Kylo, I guess he's Kylo Ren. Like, uh, you know, wow, that's amazing. Yeah, Kylo Ren in your family. That's uh, pretty amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. You know, it's true. I, I, it's sort of a, a, a typical sort of analysis in some ways, but I don't know how else to state it. Right. Like kids that are that young, four years old in this case, have absolutely no freaking idea what they are. If you tell them they're a girl, they're going to say they're a girl. Right. And, and you could tell. There's there's no way a four year old says, I actually prefer she her pronouns. That's not something <laughs> that kids say. Right. And I mean, all of this stuff, I mean, you hear them, you know, whatever that was, there's some sort of pastor or something, yeah. um, you know, calling them up and they go through all these things there. Like you said, there's no way. I mean, I think even the quote unquote adults, if there were any in that actual room, um, wouldn't even understand what half of those things actually meant. And so for them to put that on the kids, you know, hey, would you come up? Oh, yeah. Wow. This is so shocking. All these kids in here identify as pansexual or whatever. Yeah, you know, I, that's that's just not it's ridiculous. not possible. No, it's not. And, and it's like one thing when you get to to be an adult. This is a four year old. This is terrible. In fact, let's show you another clip from the documentary. This is the same uh, mother and son talking about uh, a, a book and there she's reading and she seems like she loves the kid, but she's reading him a book called Jacob's New uh, Clothes. Watch this. Let's get the sewing machine, she said. Finally, Jacob felt the air refill his body. He grinned. Mom smiled back. There are all sorts of ways to be a boy, she said. Right? Wait, I'm going to know. And also. You're And I'm also wearing girl clothes. You are wearing their your clothes, so they are boy clothes. Dad looked up from his butt. Yeah. Okay, those are girl clothes. They can be whatever you want. I am a girl boy. Uh, I am a girl boy uh, was was the thing there. And, and also the, the, the book is Jacob's New Dress. And it seems to me that the mom is is trying to convince the son that she uh, he is a girl. That's what it seems yeah, like to and, me. Yeah. And, and did you notice there? I mean, I'm kind of confused as to what she was saying, but it seemed like when he pointed out that these were girl clothes, she like reprimanded him sort of saying, well, they're 
they're whatever you want them to be or they're you yeah, know, they're, you're yeah. wearing them their boy clothes. Like so, I mean, just all this confusion. I mean, the kid seems to know the obvious and state the obvious that these are clothes that girls wear. Um, and then she corrects him on that. I mean, that again, that goes to, you know, poisoning the mind of the child and, and just teaching them all these confusing things about gender. You know, I, I know this stuff happens. I know we see it on Twitter. I know you see reports of it and you see it, you know, all the craziness in colleges. We know the world is woken nuts at this point. But like to see this happen with an actual four year old being put through this when there is no conceivable way that a four year old has any freaking idea whether their gender matches uh, their uh, birth gender. You know, when you right. want to talk about, you know, you're 25 years old and you make some choice like that, whatever, you know, like, I, again, I'm, you know, I don't right. want to get involved in it. This is insanity, though. Yeah. And, and, and honestly, the, the, the even crazier thing is the fact that the media and this this documentary is portraying it like in this heroic sort of positive uh, light. And I remember, you know, I'm old enough to remember, Stu, when when anybody that questioned this stuff and used the slippery slope argument, ah, no, you're just fear mongering that we're going to push this stuff on kids. Mm. And here we're getting the documentaries of, you know, these emotional, you know, things, you know, where they're showing, you know, parents and supposedly like, uh, one of the comments in the trailer, I think they said was this is not, a, you know, one of the subjects in the film saying this is not a pleasant time uh, to be a transgender. And it's like, how uh, I, the red carpet is rolled out for you. Every corporation has rainbows on them. You know, they're all pandering to you nonstop. And now HBO is making glowing documentaries on the struggle of the parents trying to teach teach these kids who they really are. Um, you know, this stuff is just uh, the the fact that it's not only happening, but being celebrated by the media. I still can think of that clip. Stu, you probably remember it from Good Morning America, where Desmond, the drag queen, you know, prances out there to a adoring crowd and hosts as this kid is being hypersexualized right there on, on Good Morning America. And they're all cheering it. I, this is just really twisted stuff, and which is bad enough, but it's doubly worse that it's being celebrated by the media. Yeah, you know, I I, I, I keep looking at this, and it's hard. It really is hard to to believe, and hard to believe that this stuff actually happens with real families. Here's another clip from this documentary, and again, the the theme is clear here. The kids don't seem to really want anything to do with this. <laughs> um, and the parents are constantly haranguing them into uh, becoming activists in the trans world. This is, uh, once again, um, uh, a clip from Transhood. It's an HBO documentary. This is a different family watch. We're going to Washington, D.C. We're going to And we're going to be moving to the White House Central Area to throw a book at Donald Trump's face. I don't think that we want to say that, no. This one is Time to Thrive, and it's for people who work with LGBTQ youth. We actually go and meet with our senators and representatives. After we do that, we go and sit and sell some of Avery's books for a little while. Avery, manners. I just don't want to even have a book. I've done too much in this world. It's ruined my life enough, and now... Everyone in this world is going to know. If I sell my book, it's going to get on the news for like 
with along with me for like the 50th time at this point. And it's just gonna make my life worse. A couple years ago, you wanted people to know. Yeah, I, now, I did, but now that was really stupid, silly mistake, and now I don't. Yeah, that's something. Mm -hmm. We'll go back now. So to review here, what you just saw was a, a little kid who apparently two years ago wrote a book about how he was actually a girl, which sure he wrote a book, right? Like this is something obviously yeah. his parents were, uh, were all behind. Now they're having him trot around the country as a girl, selling his book uh, as a girl and making the news as a girl. Uh, and the kid is distraught and says, it's, this has ruined my life. I don't want to do it anymore. I, you know, I, I, w I wish I hadn't. And then they say, well, two years ago, you said you wanted to, everyone to know. And the kid says, ah, yeah, that was a huge mistake. I wish I didn't do that. Okay, now let's get to reality here. You're telling me this kid two years ago made the right choice in saying, like, why, if he's reversing himself on writing a book, why would we assume that he's not going to reverse himself on his gender in five or ten years? Right, and notice how now the, the you know, the, the, the MO of these people trying to tell you to listen to whatever your kid says, now when they're switching, they don't want to listen to that. <laughs> Get your manners. We're going to sell your book. Mm. You're going to like it, soldier. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like, well, why can't you listen to the kid now? Now, now that they want to talk about who they really are, it doesn't matter anymore. They already did. I mean, to me, this just looks like somebody who's fully bought into the woke religion and they, you know, maybe subconsciously, maybe intentionally uh, know that we're going to get notoriety for this and we're going to be champions and celebrated, you know, in the LGBT community for what we're doing. And um, that's what it looks like to me. And it's just sad. It I mean, is sad. Kid. And think about, again, this moment in this documentary where the kid is saying, I don't want to be publicized anymore. And here we are watching it in a documentary. Like, isn't this a moment where you say to your kids, if you really believe they're doing, they understand their, everything up down to switching genders, you don't say, hey, look, they're saying they don't want to do this anymore. Let's, uh, I don't know, let the kid out of it. It's just a total mess. Uh, the 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 documentary is called Transhood. I can't possibly recommend it less, um, but it is available on HBO if you want to watch this mess in action. Dan Andros, the Faith, uh, Faithwire managing editor uh, and uh, all around wonderful human being who identifies. Well, how do you identify today, Dan? Uh, well, my preferred. Uh, oh, stop it. <laughs> you know what I am. Everyone knows what I am. Yes. In fact, you are at Dan Andros on Twitter. Dan, thanks for coming on the program. Thank you. Back in a second. Okay, it's getting that to be that time. Some Christmas shopping going to be going on this weekend. We got Black Friday coming up, uh, Cyber Monday. Let me give you one warning. We thought we ordered enough pens. Nancy Pelosi sucks pens for the holidays. We were horribly mistaken. They're almost all gone already. Uh, oops, I don't know what to tell you. Sorry about that. But I will tell you this. If you want to get one, go to nancypelosisuckspen.com. If you do that, you can still get one. A great stocking stuffer for anyone who also thinks Nancy Pelosi sucks, which is almost all, everybody. Um, we also have two new Christmas-themed shirts uh, and mugs and stuff in the merch store. This one's first. It's about, uh, you know, kind of there's been some peaceful protests, as you know, over the past few months. Let's show this shirt. Here it is. It says, it's not a riot. It's a mostly peaceful tree lighting. And it, the, 
the shirt uh, has a fiery background of a city with a Christmas tree on fire, a mostly peaceful tree lighting shirt. You can get a sweatshirt, a T-shirt, and all that stuff. And also, we have a brand new character, Santifa Claus. It's, it's Antifa plus Santa Claus. What would happen? Well, it's Santifa Claus, your Christmas hero. He's there to riot and burn down your home this Christmas. Uh, get the shirts now. StuDoesMerch.com. We will see you tomorrow.